Well, it's a wonderful privilege to be here with you today. This is my first visit to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm reconnecting with a lot of people that I know from the past, and so it's great to be here. And I do want to share with you the new things that God has been doing in Thailand and in the ministry that uh, I've been a part of for the past 12 years. And we know that God has been doing these things because people have been praying. And now the kids helped you out a little bit in trying to figure out where in the world Thailand is. Thailand is in Southeast Asia, bordered by the countries of Laos, Cambodia, Myanmar or Burma, uh, Malaysia. Okay, it's a country of 67 million people, landmass size about the state of Texas, and predominantly Buddhist. Even though missionaries have been in Thailand for almost 200 years, uh, still less than 1% of the population consider themselves Christian. 0.6% uh, call themselves Christian. And if you have heard in the news this past month, back on October 13th, the king of Thailand passed away. And he was the king for 70 years. That is a very long reign. And we as Americans don't understand the kind of respect people have for their leaders when their king has been in reigning for 70 years. And he was a very good king. He did much to help the country develop and help people to improve the quality of their life. And so right now, the Thai people are really devastated uh, by the passing of their king. And so it is a time of kind of uncertainty, you know, as there's a lot of transition. And also the Thais view the king as the father of the nation. And so many people feel as though they've lost their father. As I've talked to some of my friends there, they said, I didn't realize how much I loved the king until he was gone. And they have declared a one-year period of mourning. That means people are to wear black for a year. Just imagine that, okay? Before I begin talking about the ministry, I want us to stop here and pray for Thailand right now. Pray for the people as they walk in this time of uh, transition and uncertainty. Lord, we do lift up to you the people of Thailand. And Lord, we know that you love them so much, Lord. Your word says you are a father to the fatherless and you bring hope to the hopeless. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, we pray that in these days of mourning, days of uh, processing their loss, that the Thai people would turn their hearts to you, Lord. I pray for the church in Thailand to rise up and shine the light of Jesus, to be salt and light in their communities, and do it in ways that are respectful and uh, give honor to uh, this man who served the country faithfully for so many years in such a, a good way. Lord, we pray for Christians who are walking in this time trying to figure out how do they demonstrate their, uh, their honor and their respect in ways that honor you as well as they live in a, a Buddhist community. And so I pray, Lord, that you would give the believers wisdom and integrity in how they walk in this time. And Lord, we pray that many hearts 
would turn to you in this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have been in Thailand for 12 years. Our ministry is focused in the northeast of Thailand, called the Isan region. Makes up a third of the country, a third of the population, so about 23 million people. Now, I told you that, you know, about 0.6% of the whole population consider themselves Christian. That drops down to less than 0.2% in this area. So you're talking about less than two people in a thousand who are Christians. And they really practice, probably 99% of the people are what we would consider folk Buddhists, which means Buddhism mixed in with animism. So there's a lot of spirit worship, a lot of fear of what's going to happen, and you're trying to appease the spirits. And so this is an area that has been slow to respond to the gospel. As Mint and I were talking uh, between the services, you don't see as much opposition in Bangkok. It's a very modern city, and a lot of people, they do their own thing, mind their own business. But in this area, a lot of the people still are rural farmers. Every village has a Buddhist temple. Everyone knows everyone's business. Okay, so we live uh, in the, the furthest east, uh, lower right corner of their province, Ubon Ratatani. That's where I live. We're very close to the border with Laos and not too far from the border with Cambodia. And when I launched out to Thailand 12 years ago, I went with another family, Lynn and Amy Myers, and we had two other families join us along, along the way, the Goshorns and the Wingers, and we encountered a lot of challenges. Uh, some of you who know the history know that Lynn, who had been our team leader, uh, was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, in 2008. Their family had to return home, and eventually in 2010, Lynn passed away. And then in uh, 2012, the other two families, through God's leading, both returned to the United States. So I continued on, as well as my Thai teammate, Silk. You'll see some pictures of her along the way. She's from Bangkok, and she has been serving up in Ubon with us for seven years. So there was a period of time after 2012 where I was the only North American and Silk was from Bangkok working with me. And we wondered, you know, kind of what's the future of, of our team here? And during about two years ago, as different people prayed for us, either here in North America or in Thailand, people would say, help is on the way. Help is coming, and it's a lot of help. And we were like, that's, that's a good word right there. <laughs> I'm not sure where it's coming from because in terms of our organization, we like to use the word the pipeline. We've got nobody in the pipeline right now. So I'm not sure where this help's going to come from. But Lord, if you say it, we believe it. And, you know, God is doing a new thing. But sometimes we can get discouraged. And I have recently, the last couple months before coming home, go, been going through a time of discouragement. Silk was here in America. She was in Mechanicsburg for the last four months. She just returned to Thailand on Tuesday. And I was walking through some challenging situations with some of our believers and some of our house churches. 
And they're the kind of things that you can't always put in a newsletter because of confidential information. And so it was a challenging time. And I was thinking, man, I'm, I'm going home on home ministry. I have to share what's happening. And I was laying on the couch one day in September going, Lord, I need something. I got nothing, God. I feel like everything's falling apart around me. And I don't know if you've had any days like that. When I was a, a school teacher here, I used to read a book called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. And so I do have a secret for you. Uh, missionaries have bad days too, and even pastors. But you know, it's still Pastor Appreciation Month or whatever. So appreciate them, okay? They have hard days too. Well, I was having this hard day, and God said, it was like I sensed God saying, Go back and reread your newsletters of the past two years. And I did. And I'm like, okay, this is encouraging reading here. Seeing what God's been doing, I kind of forgot. Because we don't necessarily focus on numbers, you know, because it's a difficult area. But as I was reading my newsletters, I was like, you know what? Like every newsletter, there were people being baptized every three months. And so I went back and counted and I realized that in the, the last eight years since we started seeing people baptized, we've seen over 30 people baptized, and 16 of them were in the last two years. So it's like half of all the baptisms we've seen are in the last two years. What is my problem? Do you know? Like, it was, I was focusing on the wrong thing. And God encouraged me through uh, this scripture in Isaiah 43, as Malcolm was reading it earlier, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. We don't forget people from the past, but we don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? While you're on the couch feeling depressed, right? <laughs> I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And it made me realize that God is doing a new thing. It has been a season of new things. I shared with you that promise Silk and I had as we were ministering just the two of us that we had a promise as people prayed that God was sending help, and it was a lot of help. And a little over a year ago, back the end of August, beginning of September last year, within one week, our team went from two to seven, all ties. Because what happened, we were thinking of adding, of, of inviting someone to do a one-year internship with us. We invited one person, and within a few days, through different circumstances, we ended up with four interns. Two of them, the two girls in the front row on the right-hand side, were from a Bible college in the north, and they needed to do a four-month internship. So they came. And then the young man in the front and the woman in the back row in the black shirt did a one-year internship with us. And so after some of these internships have completed, right now, this is our team. There are four of us on the team. Woman on the left, her name is Pawn. She did a one-year internship with us, and she is now continuing on helping us with the Village House Church ministry that you're going to hear about. Silk is next. Again, she's been working with me for seven years, uh, and she is from Bangkok. And then the woman on the right, her name is Nitaya. And Nit, or Nitaya, is working with us through a project with the Gospel Tide. 
And actually, Nid has been a good friend. She has been my Isan language helper for the last, well, ever since I've been in Ubon, really. Thai is the official language in Thailand, okay? But Isan is the dialect or language spoken where we live. Because the Isan people really were of Lao descent, and they happened to be on the Thai side when the political border was drawn and finalized. And so they retained their culture, and then their language sort of mixed with Thai. And so Isan is a dialect or language, Thai and Isan mixed together. It's not a written language. So we have Thai, Central Thai. That's what the Bible is translated into. And it's translated in a very difficult language. They use royal language. Okay, because you, when you have royalty in your country, you have special words and terminology. So the Bible is very difficult even for an educated Thai to read. Now, when you're talking Isan people who are rural, uh, their heart language is Isan, they don't really like to read the Bible. So what we've been doing with NIT over the last couple years is we do Bible storying. So when we meet with people, we tell them stories from the Bible, and we do it in the local language. So actually, Silk took the difficult Thai language, put the Bible, the Bible stories into easier to understand Thai, and then Nit took them, put it into Isan, and recorded it. And so that's how we share. We, we have a 30-story set called Creation to Early Church, starting with creation, going through some stories in Acts, sharing foundations to know about God and about Jesus. And now that we're working for the past year with the Gospel Tide, NIT is taking those recordings and developing a 45-minute radio broadcast because the people we work with are village farmers. They take their radio out to the field with them. They listen to the radio. But we can also put these on a flash drive to put in an external uh, portable speaker, and we want to eventually put them on YouTube so that wherever Isan people are in the world, they can hear this. We're doing it with Isan worship music. She's been recording the testimonies of Isan believers and then putting the stories in together. The testimonies are so key because for people where they've probably never even known another Christian, they need to hear about people who are like them who've encountered God, who've experienced his love and his power. So that's what NIT has been working on. So as I said, we do house church planting, which is church planting meeting in houses. Because it's easy, uh, it can move quickly, it's low cost, and it can be easily reproducible. And so what I want to do is take you on a little tour of the ministry that we have in villages and then also in the city where we live and tell you some stories about new things God has been doing. This village, Dongal Village, is the first village we began ministering in about 10 years ago. It's also been one that's really slow to progress. Uh, we don't yet have a local leader here because we have some grandmas and we have children. And we, we do have some young adults from this village who we'd been discipling and hoping they would become leaders, but they've moved to Bangkok to work. That's what happens a lot in our region. Uh, so we were sort of like, wow, what are we going to do? How are we going to raise up local leaders? And I want you to see some of the kids in this group. The little girls on the right here with their little Santa hats on, 
Uh, the girl on the right, her name is Donut, and her little sister's name is Cake. Okay. They got great nicknames in Thailand. Donut one day came to house church, and during our time of testimonies and thanks, she said, I want to thank God because I told the story we heard about Jesus last week to my friend in school, and my friend believes. And we're like, wow, that's great. The next week she came back, she said, I want to thank Jesus because there's eight kids in my class and all except one believe. And she said, could you get me some of those Bibles that you have that have the pictures? And we're like, sure, when do you need them? Well, I need them by Friday because it's going to be term break. So we made a special trip to take our little evangelist, Donut, these Bibles to take to school. And we started saying, wait a minute, the kids are going and telling their friends the stories. Why don't we have them tell the stories in church? So we began having the kids do what we, what we normally have the adults do in all the other groups. Somebody opens in prayer. Somebody is kind of like the MC. Somebody leads worship. Someone tells the Bible story and leads the discussion. So we said, kids, who wants to lead next week? Here's the different roles we have. This is my school teacher coming out too, you know. And so they would volunteer. And the little girl in the middle, her name is Ern. She's six years old. Every week, I'll open in prayer. I'll open in prayer. And she does a great job. It's not the same prayer every week, okay? But last month, when we, we always start with who wants to tell the Bible story? Because that's the role that they got to do a little work preparing ahead of time. Ern raised her hand. She said, I want to tell the story. And we're like, Six years old, first grade. I'm not sure. Okay, but we'll get, uh, great. So we gave her the story. We said, have some of the older kids help you read it this week. Down on the right-hand side there is the picture of her. She read the story, a beginning reader, but she had practiced it many times during the week, and she told the story, and everybody listened really attentively. So a new thing God's been doing in this village is raising up leaders from the kids. So we're really excited about that. This village, Paiyai Village, and these villages are about either 30 minutes to an hour outside of the city where we live. So we travel out to these villages. Most of the villages we go to, the believers are from that village only. So maybe there's three, four adults and, and a group of children who are very important. But in this village, uh, the group that meets actually comes from four different surrounding villages. And if they were all there at the same time, there'd be about 15 of them. It's the place where we've seen the most growth over the past several years. And we have a couple who are the local leaders. Paulso Mai and Mei Ying, they are rice farmers. And when we met them, they loved Jesus. And they love to tell other people about Jesus. So about four, three, four years ago, we said, you know what? We want you to start leading this group. You have the heart. You have the passion. We're going to keep meeting with you every week to disciple you. But we're not going to come to church every week. So we started every other week, every third week. Now we go once a month. And they lead worship each week. And we meet midweek to disciple them and some others who are kind of emerging leaders as well. In the last two years, they've baptized six people. I don't even have a picture of the last one because it happened so fast. Somebody came to faith quickly. They were then going to move to another province, and so they quick baptized her before she left. 
This is also the area where the growth is happening. It's the area where there's the most persecution. And again, as I talk to Mint, she's like, I can't even believe, you know, in Bangkok, you don't hear anything like this. But where we are, people are persecuted for their faith in Jesus. We've had uh, grandmas who their daughters will say, if you go to church, I'm not going to cook food for you. We've had people, you can't, I can't guarantee the safety of that truck if they come here again. Well, the man in the bottom right there in the blue shirt, his name is Paul Gun, and he was baptized last year in July. And his wife, Met Young, she didn't have much of a problem. She came to church a couple times, but, you know, he was the one who came to faith, and he was baptized. After he was baptized, the word got out among his relatives, and they weren't happy. And they started giving his wife the grief, like, how could you let him do this? So last year in September, when we were having this midweek kind of discipleship group meeting, we were doing a, a, a um, study, and the, la the last lesson in the book was about spiritual warfare, which is a very real thing we experience. There was part about uh, casting out evil spirits. Just as we finished, the, his wife came running in where we were, and um, she was armed. And she said, if you don't turn back, I'm going to kill you. And we were like, is this like, like a script or something? I mean, because it's almost like what we were just studying, and she looked really wild. And, and I'm like, I have these new interns with me. It's the first week they came along. Welcome to ministry, right? And as we were all kind of like just stunned at first, one of our older believers who's in her early 70s, she stood up and she started walking towards the lady. And she, she's a friend of her. She said, you don't want to do this. This is not what you want to do. This is not who you are. We love you. And so eventually we were able to calm her down. Everybody kind of got between them. He just sat there. I said, like a sheep before the slaughter, you know. And he did not turn back in his faith. And so she went home and she tore up his Bible. He tried to come back to church. Three times he tried to come back. Every time he came, she came with the same kind of uh, attitude, we'll say. And so for the past year, he has not been attending the house church. He still believes, but... He, he does not want to endanger anyone. And he also, in, in the Asian culture, you feel like you've lost face if you're embarrassed. And even though we assure him nobody blames him, he feels very badly about this. So pray for this man that he will remain strong in his faith, that he can come back to church and pray that his wife comes to know Jesus. That's the way this story needs to end that she would have a Saul to Paul kind of conversion experience. And let me just say, back on the table behind the sanctuary are pictures, prayer cards, and pictures of these different groups and our local leaders. Their names are on the back. Please take them home with you and pray for them. Every time I come home and I, I have specific prayer requests, we go back and God moves because people are praying. And so... I don't have an individual picture of him, but he's in the, the group picture here. Pray for him. Pray for our local leaders because they do experience a lot of opposition and persecution. 
but they keep going out. Back in about June, uh, Mei Ying went to a neighboring village because she heard of a, an acquaintance she had who had not been able to walk for a year. She was ill. Mei Ying went and shared about Jesus, prayed for her, and she said, you know, I just, I, I f- am filled with faith. I feel God wants to heal you. She said, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And the lady said, I can't walk. She said, I know, get up. I just believe God wants you to walk. And she stood up and she started walking. And she walked outside of her house and her grandkids were playing and they were like, Grandma, what are you doing walking around? And they went running off to tell the relatives out in the field. And this woman was so excited. She said, my children from Bangkok are coming home next week. Would you come back next week and tell them about this Jesus who healed me? So we were very excited. And then uh, as the week progressed, word was traveling through the village. Everybody knew the lady who couldn't walk now could walk. Jesus healed her. The news got to the, the temple, the Buddhist temple in the village, and the monks, the monks did not like this, particularly the woman's son, who's a monk. And he said, it's not Jesus, and it's not Meiying who prayed. It's because of my merit that I've been making by being a monk, and because recently I did a special ceremony, kind of a black magic sort of thing. And so it just was a coincidence that she got up and walked at that time. So they said, please don't come back to the village. And our team was like, really? Come on. I mean, there's people who don't agree, but this man is trying to take the glory that belongs to God. And so we went into a period of fasting and prayer. And a three-day fast, and the last day we were there, we went to, village, went to the village to visit our leaders, and the woman's husband showed up. And we were able to share the gospel with him. He was open, and since that time, just in the last two months, Meiying, our leader, has been able to go back to the village. Now, sometimes she goes, and then it turns bad again, like the woman who was healed. Her brother is the village leader. He said, you can't bring Christians here anymore. Then a couple weeks go by. They call. They say, please come back. So pray. We believe that this is the start of another house church. But we, we need to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won. Another village where we minister, Sawangna Phi, this is a very small group. We have three adult believers, but they have such a heart. This couple, uh, Paul Boon and Mei Poon, really have a heart to share with others. And they always invite people to come for a special meal and uh, share the gospel. And so we just recently laid hands on them, prayed for them, and said, you are the leaders of this house church. By faith, we believe there are going to be more members that come to faith. This is a time of discipling them and preparing them. And, you know, they invite people, they come, they visit, they don't stay very long. We also in this village had a lot of kids who came. We had about 15 kids who came every week for three years. And what happened was they got excited about Jesus. They went home singing songs, talking about Jesus, and their parents began to say, No, no, you can't go back anymore. And so there are now no children who come to this group anymore. But we believe these kids didn't just hear the gospel once, three years. They know the Bible stories. And we believe that the word that has been planted in their hearts is like a seed that will bear fruit. 
but pray with us that the children will be able to come back to following Jesus. The newest village we've only been in for less than a year is called Tungmini. And usually we go to a village because we have a contact. Many Yisan people, when they go to work in Bangkok, that's where they hear the gospel. They come to faith. Then they want to come back and share with their family. And then they have us follow up. This village, God made it really clear through a number of circumstances, we were to begin ministry here, except we didn't know anybody. I'm like, God, this really, this is you, right? Because I don't know how to do this. So we started going, driving through and praying. And then we contacted the school. We said, we have, we're having a visiting team come. Can we come and do an English camp? Oh, please, they're so excited. And we did that. We did a special program teaching about child abuse prevention. And then we started walking around the village. So the kids knew us. The parents, oh, these are the people who came to school, okay? Now the kids start coming, and they're getting excited. We said, we don't want to make the same mistake, focusing on the kids who Jesus loves, but if we don't reach out to their families, the families are going to shut it down. So we said, we've got to start visiting the families of the kids. And that's what Pawn, one of our team members, started doing. And I call her Pawn the Evangelist because in the last three or four months, she has led four women to Christ. Part of that through going with the kids back to their homes, praying for grandma, talking to the families. And so this is a new place. We've just started a group there. Pray that this becomes a strong house church. And so besides all those interns who've been coming along, there have also been people in the last month who say, I want to learn about house church planting. Can I come along? Now, Silk and I for years have been trying to get people from the city to go along. Nobody wanted to go. All of a sudden, everyone wants to go. Some weeks, there was not enough room in the truck for everybody. So I had to stay behind. And I was so thankful because that's what should be happening. We want to raise up local leaders to carry the gospel into these villages. Well, as I said, we live in the city. And so besides the village ministry, we also have a house church in the city. Now, the village, I say the, the village people <laughs> are very Isan in culture. They sit on the floor. They really like the Isan style music. The people in the city are much more kind of Western geared. So they like Western style music. We have young people, young professionals. And uh, this group meets at our house. This was the last week I was there in September. It's growing. Uh, we need to multiply out. So this woman, uh, Pigai, she became a believer two years ago, and she is the head dietitian at the psychiatric hospital in the city. So she's a government worker. She is very well connected, and I just believe God has put her to be a light in a dark place. And so we've been meeting, she and I have been meeting every week, uh, like accountability partners, we pick a book of, of the Bible to read together, and she keeps this journal. She does these diagrams, everything. I mean, I'm learning things as she comes and shares with me. And so as Silk and I were both coming here, we said, Pikai, you're in charge of the church. I mean, everybody helps lead, but we're kind of coordinating. We said, please coordinate. You, you have a gift of administration. She said, great. Well, here's the secret. When we go back, she's going to keep leading. 
but she doesn't know it yet. So if you see her, don't, oh, whatever. Okay, so that's what we do. Like we, we leave for a few months. We put somebody in charge. We did that with Paul Somai and Mei Ying. We said, while, you're, while we're gone, can you lead? Then we come back and we say, you're doing such a great job. Just keep doing it. Well, this group, again, has really been growing. We've been having uh, annual retreats with this group, and we've had a baby boom. We've had some baby dedications. We've got eight very active little boys in our group. Uh, there's a number of people in our group who are involved in different ministries. One couple uh, has a ministry, a crisis pregnancy center. And so, and in the entire Isan region, 23 million people, there are three crisis pregnancy centers. That's it. So they uh, bring the young pregnant teens and the new mothers, and so we have a lot of babies. And as I said, the group is growing. We need this group to multiply out, not divide, because that sounds negative. So we want to multiply more groups. And this has happened before in this group. Two years ago, Gang and Dukta, who were part of the group, got married, built a house just across the river in the next county. And so we blessed them. We said, start a new group. And that's what they've done in the last two years. Their heart has been university students focusing on them. And so it's been neat because we're walking alongside as friends. It's their church. Uh, but when they do an outreach event, we go and we help them. Whenever there are baptisms in either city house church group, we meet together. Uh, we celebrate Christmas and Easter together. And so it's a wonderful blessing. Uh, again, they're not under us. They're beside us. We meet together each week. So can I meet with Gang and Dukta. We share. We pray. We encourage one another. And so it's exciting. We want to see that happen again. They just welcomed their first baby in February, so that's a wonderful, exciting uh, growth thing that's happening. And we also partner with them to do what we call the pastor's prayer gathering. For the past seven years, every month, we invite pastors from all the local churches, missionaries from different organizations, to come together in our city to worship Jesus and to pray that God would pour out his blessing, pour out his spirit, and that we would see uh, a revival happened in Ubon. And so we're so thankful about the unity that's been built and also the growth that's been happening. New churches in Ubon, more missionaries coming to Ubon. You know, when it says in the Bible and in, in Psalms how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And that's when God can really pour out his blessing. Our city groups also minister once a month at a children's home called the House of Blessing. Again, the two groups do this together. And so it's been exciting what God has been doing, new things. Last time I was home two years ago, I, I challenged the churches. I said, you know, guys, it's been seven years since we've had a Brethren in Christ church send a team to Thailand. Seven years. I said, we want, we want teams to come to pray on site, to help us do English camps, to do Christmas programs in the schools. I guess I did a good job promoting that because after seven years of no teams, in one year we had seven teams come. <coughs> so we now have a policy, one team per quarter. And so it was a wonderful blessing. Uh, we had teams come and do uh, reaching out to villages, praying for the sick. My home church, Souderton, came, a team from New Life Community in Carlisle, 
New Vision in Wisconsin. And these teams came, prayed for our local believers. We would eat in restaurants. They'd pray for the restaurant owners, uh, helped us do English camps, Christmas programs. Probably in the next couple years, we'll have a team from Harrisburg coming. So just, I don't know. I just don't know where that came from. But anyway, so as I share all of that, can you believe I started by telling you last month I was laying on the couch going, God, I've got nothing to share. I'm so depressed. Everything's falling apart, right? It's because I was focusing on the wrong things. So I want to just encourage you because I think it can be true here as well. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wastelands. It's so important, our perspective. We can drag the past into the present and just be depressed all the time, or we can look for clues of new things God is doing. And the other important thing is our attitude. Regardless of the circumstances around us, can we say like Habakkuk, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. He doesn't change. And as we choose to rejoice in him, here's what happens. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And so I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you as well. What former things do you need to forget? People you need to forgive. Past hurts you need to turn over uh, to God. What new thing is God doing in your life or around you, in this church, in this city? What promises are you holding on to by faith? Silk and I had that promise. Help is on the way. We had to pray that into being. We had to have patience for God's timing, and we had to have faith. And I'm sure you have promises from the scripture, through prayer, that God is going to fulfill. And so I want to encourage you. We can all have days that we focus on what the enemy's been doing and the discouragements, but God does not change, and his promises are yes and amen. And so I encourage you to look at the new things God is doing. As I drove out here today, every church I go to, I'm sharing this message, but I also sense God has something specific. And I said, God, what, what do you have for Harrisburg? And the two things that the words that came to mind were young adults and refugees. And I don't know if that's something your church is doing, is thinking about doing, something that's happening in this city demographically, but I just believe it's something God wants to encourage you to be looking at new things he wants to do. So I encourage you personally as a church and as a community, God is going to do a new thing among you. And I thank you for your support of Brethren in Christ World Missions of uh, Thailand. If you want to get the updates, newsletters, sign up back on the table. Please take some people home with you. Put them on your refrigerator. Have breakfast with them. Put them in your Bible. Pray. And you will then get the updates of how God is doing a new thing. Thank you so much.
I actually didn't get to hear that during first service, and that was really exciting and encouraging. And I, and I, I feel like we need to close with our God um, because I was, I was just amazed at the things that you're seeing happening there, and that's our God. Um, people up front that can pray with you if there's something that you need to pray about or if God's bringing something to your heart. Water you turn into for the Isan people and for the people of Thailand. We praise you, Lord, for your kingdom coming there, Lord. And you said the kingdom often is like a mustard seed. It starts off very small, and it looks very small for a long time, but by the time it's over, 
It has great branches that the birds of the air come and sit on. We pray this, Lord, for Thailand and the Esan people. We pray for Silk, Lord, and for Chris, and that you anoint them and bless them, use them for your glory. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your goodness and blessings to this world, all over this world, and to us. Use us where we are and build your kingdom. In your name we ask it. Amen.